Welcome to Midnight Mosey. I'm Marianne Wells. In this series of the podcast, I'm looking at some of the historic figures of the Texas Panhandle, some of the people and some of the places that have given this part of Texas a reputation of being part of the true old American West. In this episode, let's talk about Charles Goodnight. Charles Goodnight is recognized as being the father of the panhandle. His wife Molly, or Marianne Goodnight, is sometimes referred to as the darling of the panhandle. These two people really left a mark on the area. In terms of cultural and physical reminders of the history of the panhandle Old West, the good knights have left a more lasting impression than probably anyone else from that time. Some of that's due to the people now who've stepped forward to help preserve the places associated with the good knights. Let's talk a little bit about Charles and his history before he became the father of the panhandle. Well, it's interesting, in part because it connects him fairly early on with people he was going to meet again. Charles Goodnight was born in 1836. He's originally from Illinois, but moved to Texas when he was 10 years old with his mother and his stepfather. When he was 20, he became a cowboy and began fighting with a local militia against Comanche Indian raiders. Shortly after that, he joined the Texas Rangers. In those years of his life, Goodnight's most famous for leading a group in a rescue operation against the Comanche in 1860. The purpose of this rescue operation was to find some white settlers who had been kidnapped by Comanche raiders. One of the people rescued was Cynthia Ann Parker. Cynthia Ann Parker had been kidnapped when she was about 10 years old in the 1830s. She lived with the Comanche for 24 years, married a chief, and had three children with him. One of those children was known as Quana Parker. Now, Quana Parker is a significant figure in the history of the Texas Panhandle. If you listen to the episodes about Billy Dixon, you'll remember the story from Billy's point of view of the Second Battle of Adobe Walls. Well, on the other side of that battle was Quana Parker. In fact, he was one of the Comanche who was injured during that battle. Quana Parker was a warrior and warrior leader of the Comanche. He went on to become a chief. So here we have Charles Goodnight finding Cynthia Ann Parker, who's the mother of a chief who battled against Billy Dixon, who also battled against one of the colonels in the Red River Indian War, Colonel Mackenzie. In fact, he stole Mackenzie's favorite horse, later to offer to return it, and Mackenzie actually told him to keep the animal. That's another story. But we have these interesting connections 
and both Billy Dixon and Charles Goodnight, after the Red River Indian War, would end up becoming friends with Quanah Parker. Now, the story of Cynthia Ann Parker and her young daughter, Prairie Flower, ends up being a rather sad one. Returning to Texas, leaving the Comanche tribe, was very difficult. I mean, you're you're talking about somebody who's lived basically in another nation with another culture for close to 30 years, and then is brought back and is expected to adapt back to a culture and a language and a civilization that she's not been in since she was 10 years old. She struggled, and really after, after Prairie Flower became ill and passed away, uh, Cynthia Ann Parker just lost heart. We'll step aside from that story and back to the main one about Charles Goodnight. So when the Civil War broke out, Goodnight joined the Confederate Army, but he didn't fight in a lot of the battles that we hear about as the more famous battles associated with the Civil War. He was still really in frontier post guarding against raids by Indians. I mean, there were still battles with Native Americans going on during the Civil War. In some parts of the country, like in Oklahoma, some of the tribes actually took sides, either as with the Union or the Confederacy. But in other areas, it was just business as usual as far as battles and raids. After the Civil War came the development of something that Goodnight became quite famous for, and that's the Goodnight Loving Trail. Goodnight partnered with Oliver Loving, and they were part of this effort in Texas to round up the cattle that had basically started to run wild during the Civil War. They were part of that action and developed this trail so that they could actually move the cattle north to the cattle market. Goodnight's also known for the invention of the chuck wagon that was used on cattle drives. This was quite an innovation, this idea of having this supply wagon and how the tools would be stored, how it would be stocked. These were important innovations at the time. Now, as far as how Goodnight is remembered, if you're familiar at all with the novel by Larry McMurtry, Lonesome Dove, he took a lot of inspiration from the friendship between Goodnight and Loving for his two main characters. It took a lot of inspiration of the, from the Goodnight Loving Trail for that as well. That's one way that Goodnight and his story impacted the culture. Another that we can see present day in the panhandle has to do with the show Texas. Texas is performed in an outdoor amphitheater in the summers in Paladuro Canyon. And Charles and Molly Goodnight really inspired a couple of the characters. And their home inspired one of the major set pieces. And it's interesting that that would be performed in Paladero Canyon. Because Goodnight 
has such a strong connection with the place. But before we get to Paladura Canyon, we have to talk about Colorado. With the cattle being moved along the Goodnight Loving Trail, Goodnight set up a cattle ranch in Colorado. And for a time, things seemed to be going well until the Great Financial Panic in 1873. And this was referenced also in an earlier episode about Billy Dixon. The prices for beef dropped, and Goodnight lost a lot of money. He was trying to figure out what to do next. A lot of cattle operators in Colorado were wondering what they could do. Should they change industries, or were there new opportunities in this industry if they just looked around? Charles Goodnight was what we would call in business strategy a first mover. He started looking at the map, wondering where there could be an opportunity for a new ranch to be started. Now at this time, the Red River Indian War was just starting. Let's go back and talk about that. In 1873, Colonel Mackenzie and the other U.S. Army colonels in the area were waiting for an opportunity to really challenge the Native Americans. And the generals told them, no, you have to wait. If there's one more incident, if the Native Americans try one more thing, one more major raid, then we'll give you freedom to act. Well, that one more incident came with the Second Battle of Adobe Walls in June of 1874. By the time we get to 1876, the Red River Indian War is essentially done. Most of the tribes in the area, most of the individuals as well, have surrendered and are being moved to the reservation out in Oklahoma at Fort Sill. Goodnight is watching and waiting. He makes contacts with people in the area, I think probably with a Comanchero. These were Mexicans who traded frequently with the Comanches. They knew the area. For a long time, they knew the area almost as well as the Comanches and certainly better than the U.S. Army did. And so he made contact with someone who told him about Paladuro Canyon. What is Paladuro Canyon? It is the second largest canyon in the United States. The largest is, of course, the Grand Canyon. Paladuro Canyon is not nearly as deep but it is very long and it is very wide. Just a fraction of it is incorporated into Paladuro Canyon State Park in Texas, but that fraction is absolutely beautiful. And it shares some vistas and part of the canyon rim with what was the original ranch Goodnight started. Goodnight was the first rancher in this great wilderness, 1876. He partnered with an Irishman, John Adair, and the ranch was actually named the J.A. Ranch. J.A. was large and famous for quite a long time. So we have this canyon that becomes the home for the first ranch of the Panhandle. And today, more than a hundred years later, the state park that's in part of that canyon hosts a musical every summer inspired in part by the first rancher to come into the area. But that's just one way that the Goodnights had a 
cultural impact on the area. Another very big cultural impact that the Goodnights had was the saving of the American bison, or as we refer to it around here, simply the buffalo. Now, I'm, I'm rather entertained um, by the Wikipedia entry for Charles Goodnight, and I'll put a date on this just because, you know, Wikipedia can change. But at least as of January 21st of 2020, it's got material in it that I'm finding quite humorous. There is a remarkably short entry on bison, and it says, um, essentially, uh, the Goodnights preserved a herd of native plains bison, uh, which is said to survive to this day in Caprock Canyon State Park. The herd in Caprock Canyons was actually donated by J.A. Ranch, and no documentation demonstrates that this was the herd preserved by the Goodnights. Oh my goodness. I don't know who wrote this, but mm, don't say this out loud in this part of the world, whoever you are. So let's pull this apart a little bit. First, I want to share the local story. The story is that it was Charles Goodnight's wife. They were uh, married in total for 50 years. It was Molly Goodnight who decided that they needed to save the buffalo. And today, on the campus of West Texas A&M University, near the library, there is a statue of Molly Goodnight rescuing the buffalo calves. She's actually bottle feeding one of them. The story goes that after one of the great buffalo hunts, one of the hunts that led to the near extermination of the animal, Molly and Charles were out riding, and Molly saw a few surviving calves. She looked at her husband and she said, We have to save them. And he agreed. And so, they rescued buffalo calves and started their own herd. Uh, interesting phrasing in this Wikipedia entry. Herd of native plains bison, which is said to survive to this day in Caprock Canyon State Park. Okay, let's not downplay the importance of the herd of buffalo in Caprock Canyon State Park. That is the official herd of the state of Texas. That is a very valuable herd for all of us culturally. Caprock Canyon State Park is very near the town of Goodnight, Texas, where the Goodnights built a beautiful home, one of the first homes in the area to have glass windows. And that herd is very carefully monitored and preserved. People around here are extremely proud of those buffalo. And, you know, word of caution. I will say Caprock Canyons is a fantastic state park. I've had some wonderful hikes out there. Oh, I remember in particular a New Year's Day hike with some friends over the snow and ice. Just amazing to see the rock formations and the half-frozen creek. Um, but do be careful. Buffalo are not domesticated cattle. And the herd is loose in part of the park. And if it comes down to, does that buffalo bull have the right of way, or do you and your hiking party, I'm going to tell you right now, your hiking party does not have the right of way. The buffalo does. And they've got a very nice pamphlet on how you should act around the wild buffalo. If you go to the park, please read the pamphlet and follow all the rules. These are wild animals. They can be dangerous. But as far as do the Goodnights have a connection to the herd in Caprock Canyon State Park? 
Nobody in this part of Texas would doubt that for a moment. Now, this whole thing about the herd in Caprock Canyons was actually donated by the J.A. Ranch. Sure. But I highly doubt it was John Adair's idea to rescue the buffalo. And I'm darn sure it was not his wife's idea to spend money, time, and resources rescuing the buffalo. I think it was the good night's idea. So it may have been the ranch that physically owned the herd and had title to it and therefore made the donation. But that was the good night herd. The good nights helped save the plains buffalo. Goodnight Herd was one of about a half dozen rescued buffalo herds that became the foundation for all the buffalo you see today in Yellowstone National Park. Now, it wasn't too long ago that the American bison, the buffalo, was named the official mammal for the United States of America. Well, you've got the Goodnights and just a handful of other families to thank for that. So what other pieces in the panhandle exist to remind us of the Goodnights? Well, one is the Goodnight home in Goodnight, Texas. And God bless the people who worked so hard to restore that home, to add on the exhibits, and to restore the Cowboys bunkhouse and really bring it back to life. It is an absolutely beautiful house. They've done a really good job explaining the history out there. I think... One of my favorite parts might actually be the bunkhouse because they explain, and they've got it set up with good displays to show this, that it actually doubled as a schoolroom, that when the cowboys weren't using it, Molly Goodnight used it as something of a one-room schoolhouse. The Goodnights believed very, very much in the value of education. Another physical reminder of the Goodnights, their memorials in the Little Goodnight Cemetery. Now, there are interesting traditions throughout the United States, and particularly in this part of the world, about how you pay your respects when you visit somebody's grave. And living in this part of Texas, I've been taught about some different traditions. For example, some of the Jewish families that have people buried in Yano Cemetery in Amarillo, when they go to pay their respects, they will actually leave small stones at the grave markers of their loved ones. When the gypsies come through each November and visit relatives buried in Yano, they will leave food. For some of the pioneers and some of the Native Americans who lived in this part of the world, when descendants go to visit their grave markers, they'll leave coins. Actually, the denomination of your coin is supposed to represent in part your consanguinity, or the closeness of your blood tie to the person whose grave you're visiting. But the good knights, Charles and Molly, they get the most unique markers of anyone I've ever seen. If you go to visit the good knights, you leave a bandana. That's right. A good classic western bandana. Just tie it on to the wire fence that's around their grave markers. 
You can see the faded bandanas of the visitors who've come before you, and then you can say a few words of respect and add your own. I've never seen anything else quite like it. So why is Charles Goodnight thought of as the father of the panhandle? Well, he was a brilliant cattle rancher. Probably not the best businessman. Certainly, Mrs. Adair said frequently, and more than once to his face, that he was not a good businessman. And later in life, he made some bad investments that made it pretty hard going for him financially. But he knew cattle. He studied them. There were a lot of challenges with early cattle ranching in the Texas Panhandle, which had very recently been the wilderness. Not all cattle made it in the Texas Panhandle. Oliver Nelson, who was a very good friend of Charles Goodnight, and was a rancher and one-time judge in this area, was the one who discovered that a certain kind of cattle, the Hereford, seemed to do very well in the area, and Goodnight very quickly converted the J.A. Ranch herds over to Herefords. But of course, there was also that buffalo herd, and Goodnight tried for many years to crossbreed cattle with buffalo. He really thought he was onto something. He was hoping that he could bring the best qualities of both animals together. Unfortunately, there were just too many problems with a long-term breeding program. The biggest problem seemed to be that female animals didn't survive the birthing process, only male animals did. So it was making for very lopsided herds and then very strange and confusing genetic patterns for attempted third and fourth generations. Eventually, Goodnight did abandon that project and the cattle herd and the buffalo herd were more or less separated. One of the most notable problems with getting cattle ranches starting in the panhandle was the Texas fever. The Texas fever was a disease that seemed to be spread by the Texas longhorn, and local ranchers in the panhandle for a long time weren't sure how it worked. They just knew that if somebody ran longhorn cattle through and those longhorn cattle got near their cattle herds, that their cattle herds could and frequently would sicken and die. There was one incident where Charles Goodnight's brother-in-law, Walter Dyer, lost his entire herd within three weeks of a herd of longhorn cattle being run through part of his ranch land. Because of this, ranchers in the Texas panhandle became very vigilant in making sure no unknown herds and no longhorns were allowed to cross their land. It took years 
for everyone to figure out that the issue was not the longhorns themselves, but the ticks that could be carried by the longhorns and the temperatures in the area also helping to determine the strength and the size of that tick population. Even before everyone figured out the real source of the Texas fever, Goodnight was already studying and observing. He observed, for example, that if calves nursed from mothers that had the disease and were contagious, the calves actually grew up to be healthy and seemed to have some sort of an immunity. These were the sorts of health things that he tracked. And even after he stopped actively ranching, he remained extremely interested in cattle and buffalo. He was a founding member and a leader in many of the cattle and buffalo societies and was active in lobbying in the State House in Austin on cattle-related issues. He was the first into the panhandle, but he didn't stop at being the first. He was always thinking, always trying to become better in his own industry, always looking ahead, and always active in trying to make things better. But in addition to all that, Charles Goodnight, like Billy Dixon in a way, was unique in recognizing that something special had happened. That in this period from the 1860s, really into the 1880s, a wilderness was transformed into a frontier and then to a settled land. It happened that fast. And these men were conscious that something significant, something historically important had happened. They were part of the Old West when the Old West was already old. They were the first settlers into the last wilderness. That was significant, historically and in a lot of ways culturally for our country. And they knew it. They communicated that to the other pioneers in the area. And that's one of the interesting things about the Texas Panhandle is how much the people here really appreciate their history. When the Panhandle Plains Historic Museum was organized and the founders said, we'd like some artifacts, we'd like documents, if anyone has journals or letters, talking about how this part of the world was settled, they were flooded by donations. Because the first people to settle this area really wanted that history that short period of time to be preserved. And the Panhandle Plains Historic Museum sits on the campus of West Texas A&M University. It is one of the best history museums in the state of Texas. And I don't think that's just my personal opinion. I think a lot of people would agree with me. I will say this too, because I, and I do know this talking with the people who work in the museum, it's not big enough. There is not enough room in the exhibit halls to display everything they have. And yet when you walk through, you'll see just how much is already on display. It's amazing. Outside the museum, there's a statue of a man. That man is Charles Goodnight. He was not directly involved with starting that museum, but he helped inspire the spirit of having everyone in this community know how everything got started and where things came from. Charles Goodnight will always be linked with the Texas Panhandle. 
he's a man linked forever with a place. And speaking of places, the J.A. Ranch was the first in the Texas Panhandle, but it was not the largest. No, that distinction goes to something called the XIT. But we'll talk about that in the next episode.